This is the Family Culture Project, Episode 40, How Worry and Anxiety Affect a Family's Culture with guest Barb Roos. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. As a parent, do you feel as though unless you worry about things, everything will unravel? It may feel like the responsible thing to do, but it can actually take a toll on your personal happiness and on the happiness of your family members. More on this and how we can win the worry battle on today's podcast. So Carl, I'm curious, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you worry? That's a tough one. Um, I would say 5, 4, <laughs> 6, 10, I don't know. <laughs> Depends. Um, I would say if I had a look at it overall, um, less today than I did probably when I was younger, but um, maybe a four. I don't know. How mm-hmm. about you? I don't know. I'd probably say anywhere between a four and maybe a seven. Okay. And I think that I'm just the opposite of you. I think I worried less when I was younger and more as a parent who like fiercely loves her kids and is and, and knows that there's higher stakes now I think when I was younger I was a little bit more like yeah whatever like it is what it is and still to a certain degree I've maintained that but um I think it depends on what you're talking about I wouldn't consider myself a worry wart though but I do think there's times when I do find myself balking at opportunities because of fear um thinking about what might happen um, you know, checking my clock when my daughters are out too late. Like I, I do have a little bit of that. Yeah. Well, let's face it. We all have different times when we worry more, um, different topics where we worry mm-hmm. more, but it's definitely something that impacts all of us. So today's guest talked about the fact that when you have parents who worry, you typically end up having kids who worry. So was worry a thing in your house growing up? Hmm. Um, you know, I think the one thing my parents were pretty good at, I'm sure worry was there. And if I think backward, you would definitely see that there was some worry there, especially on certain topics, probably around money, mostly being one of those topics. But um, I think my parents did a good job at keeping it to themselves from, mm-hmm. a, from a child's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably did not know about some of the worries that they did have. Uh, so, so I think from that perspective, it's, it's healthier that they kept some of that to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Um, I don't really think that I remember my, my parents worried, worrying a lot. I think that, um, in certain areas, I think they were stricter than others. And looking back, I, I think it might be, might've been tied to worry, might've been tied to like, you know, the unknown, especially as I got into my teenage years. Um, but I don't think, I don't feel as though it was an overarching theme. You know, so, so to the point is that, it, you know, the worrying, I think, is topical for certain people. And then it has peaks and valleys as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for us, or at least for me, when I say that it was better now than it is when I was younger, is when I was younger, I didn't have a relationship with God as I do now. So I can use scripture and I can use the word of God and I can use these tools to, you know, to call back, you know, to push down and, mm-hmm. and to, um, to command the worry, right? The mm-hmm. worry that comes up, command it back down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's been helpful. Mm-hmm. That's why I gave myself, I guess, a lower ranking now than, mm-hmm. 
probably would have given when I was younger. Well, it sounds like it might not be that you worry less, but that you know how to address it when it comes up. Exactly. I definitely have gone through seasons where I deal with anxiety. Um, we, uh, Our guest, Barb, Ruth, she talks a little bit about the difference between worry and anxiety. And I do think that there are seasons when I have allowed worry to be continuous and and not address it and it becomes anxiety and I see it in certain areas of my life. But um, I've been fortunate enough that I really have been, I am surrounded by people that will help me stop me in my thoughts, in my tracks and say, hey, let's break that down a bit. Let's figure out where this is really coming from. What are you really concerned about? And are these fears that you have and are these worries real? And I think it's really helpful to be in community. Yes, the worries being, I think, the thoughts rather the anxiety mm-hmm. being the physical attributes of whether a headache or mm-hmm. you know getting yourself sick over it mm-hmm. um you know some of the different physical attributes yeah and i think that you'll find in this podcast um there are steps that we can take um it's not just about matter of um you know sucking it up or you know getting over it or stuffing those feelings down but really addressing them head on and our guest does a phenomenal job of talking about Um, how we can do that, and then offering us some resources that'll help. Hey there, did you know every family is known for something? What do you want your family to be known for? Download our free family culture discussion sheet. In just 30 minutes, you'll explore who you are as a family and discover who you want to become together. Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com and start living a life of purpose with the ones you love today. Be sure to type in the, T-H-E, familycultureproject.com for the free download. Today, I'm talking with Barb Roos. Barb is a popular speaker and author who is passionate about equipping women to win at life with Christ-empowered strength and dignity. Barb loves speaking at women's conferences and leadership events, such as the Aspire Women's Events, She Speaks Conference, and the UMC Leadership Institute. Barb is the author of multiple books and Bible studies, including her newest releases, Winning the Worry Battle, Life Lessons from the Book of Joshua, and the Bible study called Joshua, Winning the Worry Battle. Barb's writing has been featured in magazines and blogs such as Simple Truth Magazine, iBelieve.com, Crosswalk.com, More to Life Magazine, Just Between Us Magazine, Cherished, Encouraged, and Women of Faith. Well, I'm so excited that you could join me today. It's an honor and a privilege to have you on the podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about worry and stress. And, you know, I feel like um, I'm so excited people are talking about this because I feel like for a long time, we didn't talk about it. We talked about stress and we wore it like a badge of honor. Like the more stress you had, the more important you must be. And we're starting to see the negative effects of that. And, I'm, and, and we're finally talking about it and being honest with ourselves, especially in the Christian community, which I don't think we've seen before in the past. So um, just talk to us about the, the statistics or the basics or like what we need to know, like how many people really are affected by worry and anxiety? And then how much, I mean, is this really a thing? It is absolutely a thing. And so first, thank you, Kimberly, for having me today. The, the thing that 
it's become, uh, the hardest part of it is admitting it. A yeah. lot of us will say, oh, I'm stressed or oh, I'm worried, but we struggle with admitting that it's a problem. So mm -hmm. on the medical side, long before I was a speaker and author, I actually was in pharmaceutical sales. Mm -hmm. And my top selling product was an antidepressant. And I remember wow. sitting in doctor's offices and individuals would sit next to me. They'd see my name badge and every one of them would whisper, I, I think I need to take that or I've taken something like that. Oh, wow. So the thing is something that's been around for a long time, but we've just struggled to say that we need help with it. Mm -hmm. So statistically speaking, medically speaking, uh, almost 20% of the American population has an anxiety disorder. That's about one out of five. Mm -hmm. And we can contextualize that in just a moment, but that's 40 million people in our country wow. who are struggling with stressed out days and sleepless nights in a way that it's changing how they think, how they feel, how they believe, and how they live. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and I think that, do you think the number's higher because people, not everybody's talking about it yet still, or do you think that's a pretty solid number? The number is clearly much higher. The statistics mm -hmm. that were done by uh, the American Association um, that have to do with mental disorders, it mm -hmm. was of the people who self-reported. They had to admit that they gotcha. had an anxiety disorder that right. was changing how they live their lives. For many people, they don't recognize that they have an anxiety disorder. They don't recognize the fact that they've got that churning, sick feeling in their stomach, or that their heart is racing, that their mm -hmm. palms are sweaty, that they can't settle their mind down and think. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people aren't aware that those are some early symptoms that should be evaluated right. for anxiety. Yeah. So we definitely throw around those words. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I have anxiety. But um, can you talk us, uh, to us about the difference between worry and anxiety? There are a couple of different ways that people distinguish between the two, and there's not a consistency. And so mm -hmm. this is how, based on my years in the industry, as well as all of my years in ministry, so anxiety is going to be attributed to the physical characteristics. So it's when your palms are sweaty, when you are, when your mouth goes dry, when you have the pressure headache, you've got that sick feeling in your stomach, mm -hmm. your heart is racing. Yeah. Worry is more about your mental function. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually like to use the term worry flicks. So worry is when you have these persistent negative thoughts of worst case scenarios that you can't turn off in your mind. Kind of mm -hmm. like when you're watching Netflix and you know, when you're watching Netflix, yeah. you get to the end of an episode and the next one just pops in and starts playing. <laughs> Right? So when we start worrying, I'm laughing because that's the worst. You're like, I don't even need to do anything. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. You're just sitting there minding your own business, washing the dishes at the kitchen sink, and you begin thinking about a worst case scenario. And when you get to the end of that story in your mind of devastation and heartbreak, yeah. your brain loads up another one and you head on to the next episode. Yeah. So I call that worry flicks. So okay. anxiety is physical symptoms. Worry is mm. the mental is the mental part. Oh, that's so good. I definitely haven't heard that distinction before. Um, so what are you seeing in terms of like how it's manifesting itself in women, especially in our relationships and in our family? How does that affect who, who we show up as? 
When I thought about the the statistics that nearly one in five individuals struggle with worry and anxiety, I, I had to stop and think about how we would contextualize that in our families. Well, then I began thinking about the different things that, well, that people would say in our household. So it, perhaps a, a, if you miss a curfew, if you were, mm -hmm. if you remember back to being a kid and you missed your curfew by 15 minutes mm -hmm. and your mom came out screaming like she was <laughs> losing her mind and you're thinking, I'm only 15 minutes late. Yeah. Well, what if your mom struggled with an anxiety disorder? So in that 15 minutes, she's dreamed of you or she's had this worry flicks movie of you full mm -hmm. feature laying in a ditch by the road kidnapped sold overseas all <laughs> so so one person in the household who mm -hmm. is struggling or suffering from anxiety what they're feeling they're going to manifest inside of all of the situations that happen mm -hmm. maybe it was a dad who struggled and he you didn't know this but he was always yelling about what um, about leaving the lights on or we don't have enough money to do this or mm -hmm. or you kids you keep ruining your clothes or, or maybe it was a grandma who called every single day are you home from work yet are you okay are you staying safe mm -hmm. without we don't realize that maybe grandma was sitting at home every day stressed out over the safety of her family with yeah. anxious thoughts she couldn't control. So one person in a family, how they are struggling can actually impact how the family connects with each other and experiences each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking of like the thermos, thermometer and a thermostat, you know how the ther thermostat controls the temperature of the home. And we often think that, all right, let me see if I can put this into words. Like we think we're, th we're thermometers, that we're frustrated, we're, we have worry, we have anxiety because of our circumstances. But really, a lot of times, we're the thermostat and we're causing, we're upping the level of tension and anxiety and we're impacting this atmosphere. And I think that that's, even just that perspective shift allows us to make change and take ownership of what's really going on. That is a powerful metaphor for it, definitely. Yeah. And because the a thermostat that is not working well mm -hmm. is going to uh, require the family itself to change how they live. And, and there's an uncomfortableness that is mm -hmm. in the air and you're just always wondering. And so yeah. living in an air of uncertainty is, it's, it's very difficult for us as adults Mm -hmm. but it is even more of a yeah. struggle for kids. And so if a parent is struggling with worry or anxiety, that's adding uncertainty into a home. And uncertainty, um, that really has a lasting impact on kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. So what do you think our biggest obstacle is to living a life of peace? You know what? Willingness. <laughs> you have the answer to it. <laughs> Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> in, in many ways, in, in many ways, it's, it's willingness. Mm. Anything that we want to change in our lives. I mean, my goodness gracious, we live at a time where all of the answers to most of what we need to know mm -hmm. is available or we can order it and get it in two days off Amazon prime. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. face it. Yeah. But, um, I love, um, oh gosh. I just totally lost his name, but leadership guru, John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite statements is he says that we are educated past our level of obedience. Mm. 
So it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter all of the medicine in the world, all of the therapy in the world, all of the self-help books, all of the prayer, until we all come to the moment, like I had to long ago where I bought a house without telling my husband because I thought it would be a safer home than the one we had. Mm -hmm. I had to be willing one day to say, God, my worry problem is a little bit out of control. Yeah. I need your help. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Definitely. I mean, I think of all of the church services we've said and conferences we've gone to books we've read and it's great and it's inspiring, but like, what are we doing when we come home? Are we applying that knowledge? Are we using that knowledge to, to change? Like you said, the obedience versus the knowledge. That's, that's amazing. Um, so can you share with us some practical steps that our listeners can begin to do today? to end their stressed out days and sleepless nights <laughs> caused by worry I, and stress. <laughs> I, abso- I absolutely, I would love to do that. One of the beautiful parts of the Winning the Worry Battle book, because mm-hmm. I had to think through what my own journey with worry and anxiety looked like. I had to think through the discipleship piece. Uh, after I was in pharmaceutical sales, I spent 14 years working on staff at my local church. Mm-hmm. So I was the executive director of ministry. So developing resources for people who were walking toward God wherever they began their journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a key part of my life. And again, willingness. You can't make someone be willing, but once we're willing, what does it look like to invite God into our worry battle? Mm -hmm. Well, the book of Joshua for me was an inspiration for the book. And in the very first chapter, Joshua is a man who, he is a valiant warrior on the battlefield. He was Moses' assistant. And so this was a guy who had some gifts and talents and skills, but yet based on what God says to him, we're led to, to wonder whether or not he was facing a worry battle. So one of the practical things I want to share with you was inspired by the first chapter, Joshua, and I call it the calm technique. Mm-hmm. Because when, in the moment when stress is high, our heart starts racing, and we're just about ready to like settle into an episode of worry flicks, there are things that we can do to mm-hmm. reduce our physical symptoms and reconnect us with God. And so very, very quickly, the calm technique, the C stands for count to five. It's not just one, two, three, four, five, because people would tell me to do that and I'd still be mad. <laughs> but it is more of a pattern of breathing, of taking a deep breath in and then slowly exhaling Mississippi. Mm. And so when we do that, one inhale in the Mississippi and do that to a count of five, It first allows us to slow our heart rate by taking deep breaths, because when we're stressed and panicky, we forget to take deep breaths. And then the second is that the word Mississippi is just complicated enough to interrupt our worry flicks. Hmm. Then the A becomes acknowledge God. When we feel like we're all alone in a stressful or a panic situation, we're going we're gonna to create the worst case scenario. So we need to bring God into it, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be complicated. Just say, God, I know you're here right now. That's it. Yeah. The L stands for list your need. God already knows what you need, but it's very powerful for you to bring that need to God. And then the M is meditate. When people, especially the Christian community, talk about meditation, there's people who um, they poo-poo it or what have you. So worry is just meditating on the wrong thing. So if you worry, you meditate. So now we're going to meditate and say, God, I know that you are taking care of me. 
I know you're taking care of this. And we say that over and over again. I use the calm technique like my life depends on it. Yeah. Because sometimes I just have to say in a situation, instead of worry flicks, God, I know you're taking care of this. I know you're taking care of me. And I'll repeat yeah. that over and over again so that I don't send myself into a spiral so that I can be present and calm and, and, and thoughtful in my uh -huh. relationship with others. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. That's definitely something we can put to practice right away. I got to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to wrap up, but I want you to tell us a little bit more about your book, Winning the Worry Battle and the other resources that go along with it. Well, thank you again for having me. Uh, the Winning the Worry Battle book is about taking the, the life lessons from the book of Joshua. So there are these practical spiritual principles that have to deal with winning our worry battle. So like, what if God doesn't give us what we want? Uh, when you're worried about the people in your lives and, and they're stressing you out, mm -hmm. uh, what happens when you fail and you make really bad mistakes because you got worried or scared? Again, I bought a house without telling my husband. Uh, <laughs> talking about what to do when you feel so discouraged you can't move on. And so in the mm -hmm. book, I tackle all of those topics by applying the story of the Israelites moving into the promised land because they had to face fear and uncertainty and worry. And then there are practical tools like the calm technique all throughout the book. There's not just one tool or three tools, but these are all tools that leverage the power of scripture, but that we can practically apply them to our lives so that you don't have to keep living stressed out, that you can mm -hmm live and win your worry battle. And so there's also a Bible study called Joshua Winning the Worry Battle. It's a six-week Bible study. If, if your listeners are familiar with Beth Moore or Priscilla Shire, it's a DVD Bible study, mm -hmm. and um, you can do it without the DVD, but it is digging deep into God's word and letting it transform our mm -hmm. lives. Oh, that's fantastic. You know what I, I love about what you your book is that I oftentimes, like growing up in the church, I've heard a lot of great lessons, but nobody was telling me like, what does it actually look like? So I love that you have practical steps and techniques and not just one, but a few so that we can figure out what works for us in our situation. There are many. At the heart of God is life transformation. And the New mm -hmm. Testament is so much about life transformation. And so I love taking an Old Testament story, taking the powerful principles, but then going exactly how does, how does God equip us to live this out in our lives today? Mm -hmm. Not just so that we can live free from worry or anxiety, but right. because often worry and anxiety is what prevents us from experiencing God. Mm -hmm. And we know that the very best of life, it happens when we're able to experience God fully. Yes. I like that. Well, thank you again for being with us. This was awesome. You can find Barb at her website, barbroos.com. She's on Facebook as Barbara Roos and on Instagram and Twitter as Barb Roos. Plus you'll find Winning the Worry Battle as well as her other books wherever books are sold. We'll link to all of this in the show notes. If you've been enjoying the show, we'd like to ask you for a favor. Would you be willing to leave a short review in iTunes? We're passionate about helping families thrive and reviews help families find us. We really appreciate your support.
Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.